Welcome to the iConnect with Baxter Canada podcast. This is where we connect with healthcare providers from various clinical settings to learn more about how they are leading through innovation, protocol development, and integration of evidence to provide excellent clinical care to their patients. Join the conversation with your hosts from Medical Affairs at Baxter Canada. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of I Connect with Baxter Canada podcast. My name is Mona Morat. I'm a pharmacist and a medical science liaison supporting the medication delivery team at Baxter Canada, and I will be your host for this episode. Our goal is to share current and relevant clinical topics that help support your practice as a healthcare provider. It is my pleasure to welcome Larry Bertoldo to this episode of I Connect with Baxter Canada. Larry is the pharmacy clinical lead at Thunder Bay Regional Health Sciences Centre in Ontario. Larry, welcome and thank you for joining me today. I'm going to start by asking you to introduce yourself to our audience and to tell us a little bit more about your role and your experience. Thank you, Mona. So my name is Larry Bertoldo. I'm a pharmacist here at the Thunder Bay Regional Health Sciences Centre. Um, I've been a pharmacist here for 30 years. Um, and so my role uh, is multiple. So I have um, direct patient care roles in the adult critical care, as well as the women and children's program, um, as well as multiple other uh, areas that I cover for uh, absences and things like that as well. I'm also professional practice lead here at the uh, in the pharmacy at the hospital, uh, which basically um, entails that you know ensure uh, everyone is. Um, uh, practicing up to the profession, or if there's anything new that's coming from from the College of Pharmacy, so we um, communicate that with the staff as well. Um, also, act as a resource for for staff uh, training new staff uh, as well. Um, also, the sterile compounding uh, lead uh, for training staff and making sure that um, all the staff. Uh, are up to date in their training and practices when preparing um, sterile and non-sterile, uh, non-sterile compounded products. Also, I am uh, one of the members of the pump, pump implementation committee here at the hospital, uh, so responsible for um, programming the uh, smart safety pumps uh, that were recently implemented here at the hospital as well. That's uh, that's quite um, a lot, a bit of work that you do here. That's, you have your plate full, that's for sure, and you wear so many hats. That's uh, quite impressive. Thank <laughs> um, you. Um, I'm gonna probably today what we're gonna focus on is one of these many roles that you do is uh, looking after the uh, the pumps and the infusion pumps. And I know this role has multiple components to it. So could you uh, perhaps elaborate a little bit more on your role on that pump implementation committee, what it entails? Yes. So obviously, um, uh, this was new to, to our particular institution. So the, you know, the pumps we had before didn't have uh, a robust drug error reduction soft uh, safety software. And so, um, it was a matter of you know meeting uh, with the various stakeholders, so all the the clinical nurse specialists um, and other staff in the various clinical areas that use uh, large volume large volume infusion pumps within the hospital, um, obtaining a list of medications that would be used in each of those areas, um, 
defining how they would be used, so whether they're used as infusions and standard concentrations for that, or whether it's a um, an intermittent drug over time uh, infusion and, and coming up with concentrations for that or ranges for that. Um, also, the Accreditation Canada's most recent update, so they require for these safety pumps um, both upper and lower soft and hard limits for each of the medications, mm-hmm. uh, which provides uh, challenges in its own. Um, as uh, you're well aware, Mona, that uh, sometimes things aren't cut and dry and there's off-label use of medications and things mm-hmm. like that as well. Yeah. Uh, once that was decided upon, then it was going through the process of implementing, or pardon me, programming the uh, all of that information into, into the pump uh, software program. Uh, then validating that uh, programming through the vetting session, uh, and then finally, uh, with implementation, uh, able to um, act as a resource um, for any updates that are required uh, after implementation, uh, troubleshooting any um, you know limits that may be reached, and other uh, issues that usually uh, happen with with a, a rollout like that. So. It's quite extensive, but it was a very good learning opportunity for me. It was the first sort of opportunity for me to to work with that kind of um, software and programming um, for this. Uh, so, like I said, it was it was, it was a good experience for me and a good good learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. And and it is an ongoing process, so you you have to keep working on that library and and enhance it, right? Correct. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's we have a process here in the hospital where. Um, any change requests uh, are communicated um, and go through go to myself. Um, and if they're they're minor, we can you know make an adjustment. Uh, if it's something that's going to require practice change, then uh, obviously we would have to investigate that further with um, with a more uh, multidisciplinary team. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, since pump implementation, so as expected, you know we get a, little, a few more of those requests. Uh, in the few weeks after pump, uh, the pump implementation date, right. and then you know things sort of settle down as as the staff get uh, more accustomed to the to the new pumps. But still, I'd say every every few weeks there's something to to update um, uh, with the pumps. And so I work with our biomed team, so we'll update the I'll update the library, um, push uh, send the file to the the biomed team who is able to send the update wirelessly to each of the pumps. Mm-hmm. So there is there are processes around um, kind of the, the updates and, and deploying these updates to the pumps. Um, now, I know another part of your role as well is looking at the clinical data, so the what we call the CQI reports coming out of the pumps or the pump usage. So I was wondering if we could uh, take some time to, to talk about that, uh, perhaps maybe start by defining to our audience what, what is CQI data and what does that encompass? Yeah, so the, the CQI data is something that's obviously very important, so it's a quality improvement. Um, so um, everything that is infused through the pumps uh, including any errors or limits or anything like that that is flagged through the pumps uh, is captured on a, in a database. And so um, we have access to that database and we can run various reports uh, through that database. Um, and so some of the things that uh, are interesting for me to look at 
uh, are looking at, you know, what percentage of staff are using the drug error reduction software mm -hmm. versus using um, the what's known as the basic mode or basically just a, uh, you know, the blank program where they can just uh, place the rate that they want and bypass all of the um, the safety software that's built into the pump. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the if we have a high percentage of that, then we want to know why. Uh, you know, is it something to do with the programming, which is uh, something that can be fixed? Um, or is it an education um, to the staff to say, you know what, we should try to use the the safety software as much as possible and we only reserve the basic mode for Maybe it was very rare indication something doesn't fit into into the usual programming um, or something like that. Another uh, things we look at um, would be, you know, what kind of limits are being set. So, um, you know, are there certain drugs where uh, hard limits uh, in particular are, are being seen quite frequently? And so if that's the case, then we have to investigate is it something that one of our procedures needs to be updated to reflect the current practice and therefore reflect the uh, change in programming to, to the pump uh, limits as well. Uh, so I think that's, um, you know, those are the two, two of the big things that uh, are sort of are the most, most interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Definitely, and there's a patient safety component, of course, tied to all of that. So all of this Absolutely. this information is, is important, I guess, from that perspective. Um, what is the process at um, Thunder Bay? Like, how do you collect this data? Like, what is there a specific process in place? Do you have a committee that looks at that? If you know, if somebody was trying to 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 develop that process in their own center, how like what have you done? What's the model that you've implemented? Yeah, for sure, Mona. So there's Obviously, depending on the institution, there's various uh, methods of doing this. I think we, we have to do this. Actually, accreditation mandates that um, every three months that this data is looked at and uh, evaluated and to see if there are any uh, requirements for change that are uh, needed in the, the pump programming or the drug library programming. Mm -hmm. uh, so here at the hospital, the Thunder Bay Regional Health Sciences Center, we decided to um, meet uh, monthly and do a quick monthly presentation to our medication safety committee. So it's a committee that's made up of, of pharmacy and nursing staff primarily, as well as quality and risk management representation. And, um, and you know, we would be able to review trends. So say, you know, our uh, basic mode usage is going up since last month or going down since the previous month. Uh, or maybe these are the top, you know, top eight or top 10 medications that uh, we find are being overridden the most mm -hmm. with respect to um, uh, hard limits or soft limits. Um, and then we could evaluate from there and see, hey, you know, maybe, you know, why is it uh, that, you know, these particular medications are always reaching limits or being overridden. And so uh, I think it's good, good data, uh, again, to make sure that the pump programming is, is correct, uh, again, from a patient safety point of view but also that the staff are uh, properly utilizing the pumps to its maximum safety capacity as well. Yeah. And I mean, can you give me some examples of maybe decisions that were made or, um, you know, strategies that were implemented based on these findings? Yeah. So I think um, uh, some of it would be things like, you know, in our oncology programming, um, uh, as you're, you're well aware, you know, you have uh, certain, we go through our, we have a parental drug therapy manual that 
um, nurses rely on to know, you know, how to mix the medications properly, how quickly to administer them mm-hmm. uh, to the patient, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly with oncology, there's been lots. Um, uh, sometimes there's lots of dosage adjustments based on um, uh, maybe hematologic parameters or, or liver function or kidney function tests, etc. And uh, so it's been a, an eye-opening experience for for us as a team to see how much of that actually happens. Um, that are sort of outside of the the usual parameters that are that are stated in our uh, our guidelines, so to speak. So, so that reflects you know opportunities for reviewing our guidelines as well to making sure that they, they reflect reflect current practice. So th- I guess it goes both ways. Then there's some some of the decisions are related to the programming of the pump, and then some sometimes it's really changing some of the protocols or some of the practice even itself. Correct. So it affects all three, right? Is it a practice thing? Is it a protocol thing? Uh, or is it a pump mm-hmm. um, uh, a pump programming parameter that needs an adjustment? So, Considering um, there are other hospitals that are just starting to look at CQI data and to implement these processes, what would be your top three maybe recommendations or tips for these hospitals or, or these pharmacy teams? With respect to the CQI data or the, the pump uh, itself, sorry. Um, so specifically for uh, the CQI data, which we find is sometimes challenging to, you know, kind of look at or, or interpret. So if you have any yeah. kind of recommendations, but also uh, in relation to the drug library, um, because of your experience, it would be very useful to also elaborate on that as well. Sure. So, so with respect, Mona, to the CQI data, I think it's, you know, getting a, a dedicated person with dedicated time to to go through it because it does take a little bit of time to you know once the the data is generated to go through it and depending how you want to present it you know do you want to present it in a table do you want to present it in a graph um, just so that it's um, meaningful data for the users uh, or the members of the committee to uh, be able to interpret it and maybe make appropriate recommendations based on it mm-hmm. um, and uh, again, find a, a process, uh, whether it's, a, like I said, we use a nursing pharmacy, a part of the medication safety committee. Uh, you know, some hospitals would you know, vet that through their uh, pharmacy and therapeutics committee. Mm-hmm. But again, having as a, as a standing item on that, um, uh, standing agenda item on that committee so that it's always going to be discussed, um, you know, monthly or however often those, uh, those committees meet. Um, and that's, uh, I think those are the two two biggest ones. Um, certainly here at, our, at the Thunder Bay Regional Hospital, our pumps aren't in the, integrated into our healthcare system at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so certainly there's a lot more data that can be um, extracted from from the pumps. Uh, you can actually get, you know, specific uh, drug to patient data and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which would again uh, give a little bit more data as to you know why uh, certain users are are constantly overriding uh, right. the pumps if that's the case. Um, like I said, without that integration, uh, you can see that um, uh, something was overridden, or um, uh, but it's, it doesn't tell you why it was overridden necessarily, um, or. Um, uh, or what was done next uh, 
at least it's not easy to see. So right. uh, the context so is not a, there. You know, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that would be potentially on your uh, future roadmap. Then the uh, integration component, and then the the capacity of collecting a bit more detail around these events. Absolutely. So we're you know scheduled hopefully in the next few years to get an upgraded um, healthcare system information system. Uh, that would be be able to integrate with the the pumps themselves, and like I said, I look forward to the uh, the extra data that we're able to see uh, from that. In addition to you know the CQI data, I think it's really important for a system to be set up within the hospital so that um, you know if there are new protocols, new medications added to to the hospital formulary or medications that are deleted from from the hospital formulary to have a system to trickle that down to the um, pump programmer so that um, the appropriate uh, changes and additions or modifications can be made to that drug library. Um, And that's something that, um, you know, we found here as as a weakness that we had from our previous system, right, when we didn't have drug error reduction software on the pump. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, putting a system in place so that Everyone's aware that you know, one of the steps that needs to take place is, is inform the, um, uh, the the drug library programmer to uh, make sure that they're um, aware and able to update that. That's a great point. Thank you so much, Larry, for this information. Um, I really appreciate your time today. My pleasure, Mona. Thank you. Thank you for having joined us today. If you'd like to listen to more episodes, please make sure you subscribe to be notified of new episodes as they become available. Please feel free to email us should you have any questions, comments, or feedback. We look forward to having you join us again next time. Thank you for joining us for the episode of I Connect with Baxter. All of the opinions and experiences expressed in this episode are those of the guest speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Baxter Canada. If there are other areas of interest you would like to see included on future podcasts, please email those to iConnect at Baxter.com.